This Sisterhood Through Grief podcast is comprised of a group of women who have lost their spouses and bonded during their time in a grief support group. We are not licensed therapists, rather we have endured and survived the journey of grief. During our podcast, we will share our stories of how we suffered, what we encountered and conquered during our journeys, and impart raw truths about grieving. As we learned in our group support, we will speak from the I space and always offer non-judgmental support and understanding to each other. We hope to offer our listeners compassionate support by providing empathy and validating one's grief. Knowing you are not alone and having someone who can say, I know how you feel, will be our gift to our listeners to promote healing, offer hope, and ease pain. For this first podcast, each of the women who make up our sisterhood will introduce ourselves and share who is in our hearts and a little about our situations. Future podcasts will be conversations between two or three of us about topics that are specific to our journey through grief. We always open our podcast by lighting a three-wick candle and reciting a short verse. So let me begin. This first wick is for the past and where we've been. The second wick is for the present and where we are now. This third wick is for the future and where we hope to be. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris McNeil. My husband, Donnie, is in my heart. I lost my husband from a stabbing, which happened to hit three major organs by an 18-year-old neighborhood kid. Although he survived the night, his injuries were too extensive, and he passed in the early morning hours. I will never forget that walk of the doctor as he came to give me the news. I was only 34, and I had a six-year-old son and a 14-month-old daughter waiting for me at home. The shock was beyond anything I could put into words. The last good memory I have of that evening was hearing my husband laugh in the garage listening to an episode of Seinfeld. Hi, my name is Brenda Firestone. My husband, David, is in my heart. I was 40, David was 42, and our daughters were 11, 8, and 4. My husband, David, had an elective surgery, bariatric surgery, in hopes of finding a healthier lifestyle. The hospital failed to monitor him after surgery. He lived five days on life support from there. And after that, we elected to turn off the machines and we lost him. I'm Amy Reese and my husband, Mike, is in my heart. I was 33 and he was 36 when he was killed. He was a pilot in the Army and deployed after 9-11 and was killed about a month later. I had two boys, one 18 months and one that had just turned five. And it was, I knew he loved what he did and I knew he would, part of the ultimate sacrifice could have happened, but I never was prepared nor dreamed that it actually would happen at our young ages and for my kids. My name is Melanie Perkins and I have Scott in my heart We were both 34 and had two boys um, ages six and four at the time that he died in a car accident. We were in the process of moving back to Florida after 
um, many years in the military and moving around the country. We were moving back home, excited to start our new life. And he was in a single car accident. They never determined the cause and left us in the middle of a move. So we had no home. We kind of had no place. Kids weren't in school yet. So um, not only did we lose him, but we had to kind of start our lives over from scratch. My name's Patty Carusas, and I have my husband, Renee, in my heart. We had two five-year-old twins at the time he passed away. He was in a boating accident. We were on vacation over in the islands, and the kids and I had flown home, and he was coming home the next day, and I got the phone call that he was in a boating accident, and they were searching for him. They searched for him for about five to six hours before they found him. Hi, I'm Christina Wilson. I was 36 when I got a phone call at six o'clock in the morning to tell me that the hospital had my husband, Jeffrey, and that I needed to come to the hospital to see him. And I said, well, that's impossible because my husband's in Costa Rica. But because they claimed it was him, I got dressed and drove down to the hospital and left my four and six-year-old boys at home with my sister who happened to be visiting, got to the hospital and found my 39-year-old husband in a coma. He had been in a single car accident after having come home early. And he was in a coma for a couple months and then eventually became minimally conscious. After a little over a year of being minimally conscious, he developed a brain infection and then pneumonia and was put on life support. He was on life support for about a week when the doctors came to me and said that they need to take him off life support. So he was 40 years old when he passed and my boys were five and seven and I know this is really hard for all of us to come back. And when we were in our support group, I don't ever remember going over the circumstances of what happened. So I think this is the first time we've all ever shared with one another what has happened and what happened. But everyone has their story, I guess. And the journey is just as tough for everyone, no matter what the situation. It's just not what any of us had planned. In the of your lives, when the kids are so young and your careers are starting, families and moving and settling, and it's just, it's everyone thing is turned upside down. We I used building. to, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I used to feel like the, the grief for myself was bad enough, but grieving for your kids was like doubly. It was the worst. We were building our dream house and living in an apartment. And David just wanted to have a fresh start. And he, he died two months shy of moving into the house. And it just was not anything we ever really thought could happen. You're just so not prepared for that. And facing everything by yourself. And how do you find the words to tell your children that daddy's not coming home ever? 
I felt so lost and alone and was trying to do anything, checking every box in the grief support manual of what I should do to feel better because I just wanted it to go away. And I think that's kind of how I came to find the support group where we all originally met because I was seeking some kind of normalcy and just a place where I could talk about it and not feel like I had to comfort the people around me because they were trying to comfort me. And I, you know, had to, it's like, Oh no, it's okay. And it was just the only place I just needed to find people that I could talk to. And that's how I found all of you guys. And people that actually understood because people would try to understand, but they just couldn't. But the circle of women that we all connected with, you got me, you know, creating lifetime bonds, being able to to talk freely and not having to feel like someone wants to put you on a prescription medication so that you don't feel what I think would be normal feelings that we have to process and, and learn where they need to settle rather than numbing them. I didn't want to go through my life that way. And, and I wanted to be the best mom I could be in the current situation. It was, it was not what I wanted. I wanted to feel too. And, and also to find someone who was a little bit ahead of me on the journey that I could see that I was going to be okay that I, or, you know, at least that someone can almost mentor us through because we were so lost. I really thought I was going to die of a broken heart. I didn't know how to put that mask on for my children to be the strong surviving parent that I would want my husband to be if he were in my shoes and he would have survived and I would have been the one that passed away. We were building a home also and so we were displaced because we were living in a townhouse and I just knew that I had to do what I knew he would want me to do, finish the home, move into the home with the kids, but it never felt complete. And I felt like a lot of times I was just going through the motions to make sure my kids are fed, they're clean, they're at school. I did my job today. And then the highlight of for me was to be able to go to our meetings and then for me to be able to let loose and for me to feel like I could connect with others that were going through the same thing that I was going through. It was the only time I ever felt comfortable in my own skin Mm -hmm. during those Mm -hmm. early on days because I would look forward to going to group because I knew I wasn't going to be judged. I wasn't going to be told what to do. The feelings that I felt were going to be validated. I didn't have to try and make his family feel better or my family feel better. I didn't have to try and act a certain way. I could just be. And that's why, you know, I have to be strong. (laughs) Exactly. Didn't have to be strong. Right. I felt like I had to be so strong for my children Mm -hmm. to face my family and my friends. And, and like you say, you know, while everyone wants to, help you and protect you, we ended up being protecting them because everyone's so afraid of what to say to you or how to make you feel and are you going to fall apart? And 
So that was the hard thing for me, I think, was not being able to, until I got to group and around you guys, I could never be myself. I could never let my guard down. I, I had to be this strong pillar and the stoic one, the one who just, oh, you know, I was fine. I was good. And also, it was just that game face, you know, like it was the only time I could be myself was coming to group and meeting you guys and hearing your stories allowed me to be like, wow, you know, you guys really get it. And I can say how I'm really feeling. Like, I feel like crap. Like, this is so hard. I'm in so much pain. Or on the flip side, be allowed to laugh because we weren't being judged. I always felt like outside of group, everyone was always watching and waiting. You know, is she going to break? Is she going to go crazy? Is she... And we always had to be the perfect parent. And it's tough. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy load. And every time I walked out of our grief support, I felt lighter. That is such a good point because I, I feel like I wore a facade for so long. I had a mask on and showed everybody what I thought they wanted to see. I'd get in the car and I'd burst into tears. I used to say, I don't know how I got from point A to B because I cried the whole entire way. I'd get home, put the kids to bed and go in the closet and cry more and get up and do it all over again. And you, I felt like I was going crazy. But when I was in this group with you ladies, I didn't feel crazy. And yeah, the, we cried as much as we laughed. And it was so, so healing. And I felt lighter too, definitely. Everything was kind of a milestone afterwards too. It was like when we did have like, you know, you'd get to group and then you'd hear something and you'd, everybody would say how their last two weeks were because we would go every couple of weeks. It was like, and I was like, okay, I got through another two weeks. Mm-hmm. Hey, and I, I, I accomplished this. And it just felt like you were hitting milestones. Well, even just knowing, okay, I, I made it two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a milestone, just getting through those two weeks. And then it also gave you something to look forward to. I was like, okay, I can come back in two weeks and be able to drop the facade and be able to be myself again. And it was our comfort zone. We were, we could, that was our security. We could be who we were in there and just let go of everything. And just, we could feel the emotions of each other in the room. And we understood and we all were suffering from the same things from our kids to our feelings, to our families and putting our lives together. I think it was great for our children to see too Mm -hmm. that, you know, we could smile and be light and happy and hold hands. And there was so much love and, you know, support and lightness to it. So I think it was great for our kids to see, you know, because at home, I know I was just always very um, strong, almost too strong. Almost robotic. You had to be. You had to go through the motions. I also felt like anywhere out of group, I was very conscious of making people around me so uncomfortable. No matter what, it was like you said, I, I, I was trying to help them feel better around me. 
and it was twice as exhausting. And you yes. come to group and you didn't have to worry about making anyone uncomfortable. We were all in the same situation together. I can honestly say it was the only thing at the time that truly helped. You know, for me, like I said, I was trying to do everything on that checklist, but for me, the only thing that truly helped me feel better in any small way was to be around people who understood what I felt and thought. I agree a hundred percent. And I think that was kind of what prompted us wanting to do this podcast. Definitely. So, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. And also for people who, you know, during this time this year who have been alone and going through it, hopefully, you know, by us doing this, someone might hear something that they connect to and validates how they're feeling because that's what group did to us. It gave us that validation that what you're feeling is right and normal and okay. And there's no right way to grieve. We all have different feelings and steps and there's no particular length of time when you should be able to laugh or date or whatever it is. Everyone goes through the process and it's all normal. And I remember looking at the ladies that were ahead in the journey than I was and they gave me hope, you know, that it's not going to always be as painful as it was at the beginning. And that, that got me to, you know, be able to keep going. You know, when I would leave there, I'm like, I like, like Melanie said, I made it. I made it those two weeks and I can make it again the next two weeks. They gave me hope. And I always wanted to be able to give that back to the ones that follow us in this journey. And basically, that's what our hope is for doing this podcast, that we could give someone else the hope that we got from our group by hearing our stories and our conversations. And also let people know that it takes time, but you know, you will be, it's a different okay. Yeah, you trust the journey. It's not easy, but you trust it and keep moving forward. One day at a time, baby steps. Steps. Baby steps. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all safely say we're, we're all okay now. May not be the life that we planned for ourselves. Yeah, we all found an inner strength through our friendships in this group to get through. And it's a journey, so we're still going. But you do find that inner strength to pull you up. And say we made it. Mm -hmm. And so did our kids. (laughs) Yes. That's right. And through the journey, they are wonderful reflections of their fathers. (laughs) Yes. I mean, one of the things I always say is, you don't move on, you just move forward. Just yes. take those baby steps forward. Yeah. You know, sometimes you'll fall back, sometimes you'll get a little stuck. But if you could just keep going forward, eventually mm-hmm. you'll get somewhere else. I think our plan in the coming weeks, in future podcasts, we're going to address different things that we encountered on our journey. 
some are sad and some are humorous part of the connection that I think we all made is that we were able to get to a point where we could laugh about the crazy world that we were living in. I know we've had dinners where we've gotten together in restaurants and have been laughing to a point where we're crying, recalling all of our crazy stories. And <laughs> we just think about the people sitting next to us if they had any clue where we had originally come from and how we all met and what we were actually talking about. They <laughs> possibly horrified. Right. If they only knew, if they only knew. <laughs> So we look forward to, <laughs> to sharing our stories. Right. And giving you hope that your hearts one day will feel better again. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all. As always, I feel so much better and lighter and happier. I hope what, with what we're doing, it will help others to feel this way too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.